Well, how was your Christmas? Good? Yeah? I like the, I like the response. That's good. My absolute favorite part of Christmas uh, used to be a Christmas story. You know, this great movie, Red Ryder, BB Gun, that's just on replay on TBS all the time. So it used to be that. Um, it, it used to be the presents. It used to be all, opening up all the presents. But I think now my favorite part of Christmas is, is what we've just been talking about this whole service, is, is the wonder. It's the wonder of Christmas. And it's as Eugene Peterson says, once a year, each Christmas, we, with billions of other people, we, we, we put aside our preoccupations with life that's just reduced to biology or psychology or economics, and we just join in a, in a community of wonder. And it, it's this beautiful wonder that you guys see all the time when, when you see a beautiful sunset and you just go, ah, <laughs> that's beautiful. Or if, you, if you're out, ever out on a boat in, in the ocean and you just see the water that goes on forever and ever and ever, you don't feel like there's an end to it and you're going, <sighs> you, you wonder at that. Or if you're on a mountain and you see mountains that go on forever and you're like, this is beautiful. Or when your kids wake up at 5.45 on Christmas morning <laughs> and they see all the presents and they go, <gasps> it's beautiful. <laughs> They're everywhere, right? And so at Christmas, we embrace the wonder. We embrace the wonder that there's something magical happening that, uh, that our, our eggs get nogged for hours and they make something delicious. Again, that's just for me. <laughs> the wonder of this glowing tree. <laughs> we just put lights on a tree, <laughs> but it looks beautiful in our homes. And there's a wonder. There, there, there's the wonder for parents. There's that wonder of Amazon Prime. How do they do it in two days? I don't know. <laughs> it's glorious. Malcolm made some snide remark. I call him the Grinch. He says there's some evil greed going on there, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> there, there is this mystery that goes on with Christmas. There is this awe that all of us have felt at some point in our lives, this awe and this shock and wonder. And so I would ask that today that we would legitimately be in wonder at the true meaning of Christmas, at what is happening right in our passage today. And so we're going to be looking at John 1. 1 through 14, and if you don't have a Bible, we have some on the back table. We'd love to just give that to you as a gift. We have English, we have Spanish as well back there, and so please stand for the reading of God's Word. We're looking at John 1, 1 through 14, and Mo and her friend is going to be reading with us. Oh, let me get you a mic. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. 
He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become his children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh, dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we ask that you would uh, enlighten us with this light that you've been talking about here. Lord, let you enlighten this text to us. Help us to rediscover the joy of our salvation and the joy and the mystery of how you could step into this world. And so just ask us, how? (laughs) Push us to wonder at that question today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this Christmas morning, I wanted us to to look at John's account of Christmas. Um, I think sometimes at Christmas, we we can get into uh, habits that we love, some traditions. And so we, we, li- we listen to the same Christmas music. Uh, we watch the same Christmas movies. And we kind of have this routine. We, we do the same things. And so then sometimes you can come to church and go, well, this is the Christmas sermon. Um, and so we kind of expect certain things. And so I thought it'd be fun to, for us to look at John's account. That's a very different Christmas account here. Um, and it shakes things up because John is like a, he's like a dude's dude, right? John is, John is a fisherman. John, John is, is a little bit of a rough kind of guy. He's the average Joe. He's the working man. I mean, he, Jesus found him and, and, and his friends, Peter and James, and Jesus came along and says, you're fishing, but I'm going to make you fishers of men, right? And so this is John, and he, he, doesn't even get, he doesn't even get to the incarnation until verse 14. He, he skips over the angels. He skips over the shepherds. He skips over the manger scene. I mean, he skips over some of the most important things that we think are true in the Christmas account here. And he gives us the most concise statement of Christmas ever. And he just says, the word made flesh. <laughs> there it is. Merry Christmas, right? That little sentence there. And there's no shepherd, there's no Mary, there's no star of Bethlehem, and he takes us back. He takes us way back, way back to the beginning of time here. And so John brings us back to verse 1, it says, in the beginning. Now, if you are a Jew, what would you be expecting at this time? In the beginning was God, right? That's the expectation. This is going back to Genesis 1-1, it feels like. In the beginning, God. But he doesn't say that, right? It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, is is Genesis 1. Here in our text, in the beginning was the Word. What? (laughs) Blasphemy! (laughs) Turn him into a newt, right? (laughs) This is is not okay, but it's okay, because in verse 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Later explains that that word is actually Jesus. And here's a little side note here. It doesn't say that uh, in the beginning was a word. In the beginning was a God. Uh, okay, this, this is for all your Jehovah's Witness friends out there. You can use this. He doesn't add a in there. It's, it's clear it's Christ's claim for divinity. He uses the word theos. He was the, the one true God right there. And so John shows up and gives us a little theology 101 to begin the Christmas morning. He, he gives us the theology 101 about, about the Trinity. There's an easy subject, right? The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was in the beginning, and, and just as mysterious as, as that is, as the Trinity is, I mean, that is a mysterious subject that, 
that brilliant theologians and philosophers have not figured out. I mean, the North African theologian Augustine, who, who, is, who is known as one of the, the most brilliant minds ever, right? He, he writes a whole book on the Trinity, and at the very end of it, he, he has all these different ways of explaining, it's like this, it's like this, it's like this. At the very end, he says, but I don't really know how to explain it to you. <laughs> Give you the cliff notes. Because it's a mystery that our minds cannot wrap around it. It is a mystery that that, that Jesus that is a part of the Trinity, and that's the mystery. And now we're seeing just as mysterious as the Trinity is the, the one and three, not separate, not divided, just as mysterious as that is the incarnation, which is when God becomes man. That is the mystery here, that that, that Jesus, that God was the creator of all things. Verse three says, all things were made through him. Who is him? It's Jesus. And without him was not anything that was made. And so what it's saying there is that Jesus was there at the beginning of time. Isn't that beautiful? That, that he, he pre-existed. It's crazy. What this means is that Jesus was the first time traveler. Right? There's no DeLorean. There's no 88 miles per hour. It's just the power of God, the word of God coming out. He says at creation, let there be light and there's light. Jesus is there doing this. And he steps into creation for the Christmas story. I mean, before we go any further, let me, let me just say we have a weird job as pastors. We have a weird job because we, we, have to, we get to tell you about something glorious, which is the great part of the job. We get to tell you about something beautiful, which is the awesome part of the job every Sunday. But the weird part is we get to tell you about something glorious and beautiful that no one really understands. The odd part is that we try to explain something that can't be explained, like, there's this guy named uh, Dr. S.M. Lockridge. Have you heard of him? Yes. He, he, he has this wonderful sermon. Wonderful sermon. I encourage you to go look it up. It's called My King. Oh, uh, it's a, <laughs> it, it, it'll, be, it'll set you for the rest of the year. You just listen to that, and then you'll just hit, hit it on repeat all the time. I mean, it's just special. But in his sermon, he goes on and on and on <laughs> about, about the attributes of God, trying to explain God to his people. And he goes on and he says, he's enduringly strong. He's ent entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. And then he goes on for 87 more attributes about who God is. <laughs> and, and he's going, oh, yes, yes, yes. And he's building. And he goes, ah, well, I wish I could explain him to you. <laughs> And the whole congregation, you could just hear, is just like cracking up, like, you've just been explaining it to him. And so he stops and says, I wish I could explain it to you. And then he pauses and he says, but he's inexplainable. And he starts describing the ways he can't describe him. He's incomprehensible. He's invisible. He, invincible. He's irresistible. And he says, I'm trying to tell you that the heavens of heavens can't contain him, let alone a man explain him. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful sermon. And so John is talking here about this odd job that we have that John the Baptist actually had, talks about in verses 6 through 7, whose job it was to witness about the light. To say, there's this beautiful light coming, and let me tell you about the light of lights. And it's just an odd job, because we as, I mean, if someone says, let me tell you about the light, as one pastor says it here, he says, you don't just say, let me tell you about this light that I have. You, you, you turn on the light. <laughs> you, you just show it to people. If, if I have a torch, I don't just say, let me tell you about this torch. You just hold up the torch. And you, just, you just hold it up, and that is just the job of the pastor is just hold up the light and say, see it. 
gaze at it, wonder at it. And it's a beautiful job, but the hard part, the tricky part about this is trying to tell blind people to see the torch and go, look at it. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, the blind see it. That the blind somehow have the scales fall from their eyes and see the light here. And so I want us to look at here in hope and wonder that God says, let there be light. I mean, he created the sun and the galaxy. And our verse here refers to, it says that he created all things. But that maybe it's just the geeky part of me. But I want us to focus in on, on, on the space part, on the outer space, the, the particular beauty that happens right above us. It's just fascinating to me. I mean, if you take just the sun, right? The sun that all of our children have probably painted a little circle yellow with a smiley face. It is a raging ball of fire, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's not nice and happy. It is 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. That's like billions and billions of nuclear bombs going off all at the same time. It, it, is, it is explosive. And that, that light that comes out of God's mouth, it says, let there be light. It comes out at 186,000 miles per second. That's the speed of light. That it's coming out like that. <laughs> that it's ferocious and it's intense and it's radiant. Let there be light. And we might say, I wish I was there at creation. I wish I could see it all happening like little Lego pieces coming together. And then you, you say, no, you would never want to be anywhere near that. You'd be blown away. You would be space dust. That, that would be terrible. <laughs> Let there be light. I'm gone. That was beautiful. <laughs> that was my life. Fire is consuming at 10,000 degrees at 186,000 miles per second. Thank God that we're 93 million miles away from the sun. 93 million miles away from the sun. That's how far it is. You know, you know what the nearest, that's our nearest star. That's why we call it the sun. It gives us all this light. But that's just a star in the galaxy. And it, it, it's a million times the size of the earth. Right? It, it, if you were to take a space shuttle to get to the sun, which would not be a wise idea, it would take you seven months to get there. Seven months to get there. I mean, how big is it? Let's say the sun is like a basketball. Earth would just be a tiny little millimeter dot on a piece of paper. Or if you were to open up the sun and you put a bunch of little goblets of earths inside of the sun, it would be 1.3 million earths to fill up the sun. <laughs> The sun is, is huge. It is huge. It, it, it's, it's monstrous, but it's only a little baby in our galaxy. It's only just an average star. Now, have you heard of Betelgeuse? Anyone? Any, any more nerds out there? Like, okay, good, good. Nerds unite. <laughs> Betelgeuse is, is, is called the Red Giant, and it's 14,000 times bigger than the sun. <laughs> it, it's huge it is it is it's so big it's one of the, it's it's billions and billions of miles away and and but our sun is is one of just a billions of stars in our galaxy called the milky way and if you were traveling at the speed of light to get from one end of the milky way to the other it would take you a hundred thousand years at the speed of light to get across our galaxy like <laughs> this is wonderful <laughs> beyond our galaxy though there lies other galaxies that we can see from, from, from telescopes out in space that go on and on and on. And we discover there's more galaxies. And the scientists, that to find the distance of how far those galaxies are, when they see an exploding star happen, which is called a supernova, 
they measure the distance between our galaxy and that galaxy by the wattage of the, 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 the fire that just burned bright, and they measure the distance by the wattage. I, I don't understand it, but it's fascinating. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's crazy. And those same scientists who know all these crazy things say the universe is just infinite. We don't know where the end is. We have our, we have our limitations. It just keeps going and going and, go- and going. And so what we're starting to see is that the universe is like God's playground. It, that, that is just God just saying, let me just do something beautiful over here for you if you ever get a telescope far enough to see it. Let me just do this. And it's not just NASA saying this. The, our own scripture saying this. Isaiah 40. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hands? All the oceans just measured in the hollow of his hands. Or who has measured, who has measured the heavens with the span of his fingers here? That's about right. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> It's just his playground, that God that has the power to melt you with let there be light, that creates galaxies and stars whose sole purpose, as we can tell, is just to show off his creative handiwork. I mean, that same God who measures the heavens with his hands had to be swaddled. Like, (laughs) what? (laughs) Merry Christmas, let's get a telescope. (laughs) That's the application of the sermon today. Besides this, getting a telescope, seeing how big and glorious God is, just to see him in all of his wonder and all of his beauty and majesty, he wants us to then focus our, and hone our focus here on verse 14 and wonder at this. And that word, the same word that just did all of these beautiful things, became flesh and dwelt among us. The word became flesh, and it's just beautiful imagery. He says, the word, and it's a why, why call Jesus the word? Why not just Jesus? Why not God? Why not the deed? Why not the action? Well, some of those things need interpreting. So if you see someone's actions, you need to understand, was that, a, was that for good reasons, good motivations, or bad? What, what's, the, what's the meaning behind it? But he gives us the word, meaning the words carry meaning, They explain, they unpack. And so God decided to unpack himself for us. And so the word of God is God translated to us so that we can understand him. So we actually understand who this creator is from us. The creator-creation distinction is so vast, we need something to explain it. And so the maker of nebulas and supernovas and galaxies doesn't leave you to wonder, where do I stand with him? The Greek word for the word is logos, which is where we get the word logic. And so you don't have to interpret your life you, you, by looking at the stars and wondering what this is. You know, he's giving us who he is in his word, that he is selfless, that he is loving, that he is powerful, and he's here, he's present for you. And it says that he took on flesh. And that's a very important word, flesh, that he enfleshed himself. He took on skin, Right? That, that word is saying that he tabernacled amongst us. That, that, that the tabernacle, the tent, is where the people in the Old Testament would meet with God. But whenever you saw them coming to meet with God, what did we see? We saw thunder and smoke. And we saw the fear of, of Moses saying, I don't want to see the face of the Lord or I'll, I'll just be struck dead. Like that, that is the, 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 the fear of the Lord when you want to approach God, but you now have God tabernacling himself amongst us, b- bringing us into his presence, 
bringing himself into a form of a baby. Like, <laughs> this is beautiful. <laughs> this is monumental that the, 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 the glories of, the, of our Father, the majesty of it, will become a baby. That he would tabernacle himself into just a real person so that we could understand and talk to. And then it says the word flesh. That sarks is the Greek word there. And it's raw and it's explicit. <laughs> it's bold and it's crude. It's as if it's saying Jesus was blood and guts. And so at the same moment that he's talking about the, the divinity of Jesus, of how he is 100% God, he then says he's also 100% man, encased in flesh, just like you and me. And so I wonder myself, though, why not become the man of steel? Why didn't he come and get some of that Wakandan vibranium? Right? Well, you know, why didn't he get some te telekinetic power? But that's the point, isn't it? He could have come with the ability to fly. <laughs> he could have done all of that. But he, he came and made himself just like you and me. Now, I don't want us to lose out hope because when the resurrected Jesus came back, he was walking through walls and he flew up to heaven. And so we're still holding out hope that we can fly. <laughs> I'm not putting that off, what God can do. <laughs> but he became flesh because we are. He became vulnerable to be hurt because you hurt. Because you hurt, he hurts. And it's at this point, it's at this point is when we think we're different from God. It's at this point we say, okay, you said you came and tabernacled amongst us, but where were you? Where were you when death struck? Where were you when crisis hit? And that's the point of Christmas, that he came in this moment, that he knows that feeling too. Because when Jesus came to his father and said, Father, take this cup from me, the father said no. And so that Jesus felt that abandonment. God answered no and the father looked away. And so he's like us in every single way. In every single way. The creator became flesh is that miracle of miracles. The, the one who creates joy felt heartbreak. He felt abandonment. He felt betrayal. I mean, J.I. Packer says, it, it is here at this profoundest and most unfa unfathomable depths of the Christian revelation lie that the word became flesh. That the son of man who will ride the clouds in glory could do nothing other than lie and stare and wiggle and make noises, needing to be fed and changed and taught to talk like any other child. And so I ask you this Christmas Sunday after, what makes you wonder? What, what, what grabs your gaze? It may not be astronomy for you. Maybe it's the paint strokes of Vincent van Gogh. Maybe it's seeing whales swim by you in the ocean. Maybe it's, maybe it's the inner workings of a car. I'm going, that's just intricate. That's beautiful. What, what, what grabs your gaze? What makes you wonder? And I want you to step into that. And I want you to do that right here and see this in this text and wonder right here that the all creator stepped into creation. Yes, get a telescope because the one who makes the stars and supernovas and black holes had acne. Like... <laughs> 
He relocates your mind to the heavens and seeing his majesty and his glory, but then he pulls you back and he says, come, come back to the reason I came for Christmas, to see the grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. If you believe in him, the creator takes your story and gives you his. If you believe in him, when God looks at you, he now says to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. <laughs> I mean, just the thing about that, the one who can make stars explode <laughs> has that power and sees all of my sin, all of my records of wrongs, and he takes that on himself, and he looks at you and says, I'm proud of you. Oh, <laughs> to hear that, we all long to hear that from a mentor, from a parent. I'm proud of you. But to hear that from the creator, I love you deeply. It, it's too much. And this is what, the, at the end of John Newton's life, the, 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 the writer of Amazing Grace, when he said his memory is all but faded. He feels like he couldn't remember anything left. He said, I, I still remember two things. That I am a great sinner and that Christ is a great Savior. And so if you can see those things and just gaze and wonder at that, that I'm a great sinner, but Christ is a great Savior, that is truly astronomical grace. And praise the Lord, he came for Christmas. Let's pray.